So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, for F1's sake, the Formula 1 podcast that just hasn't been the same since Singapore. I blame the uh, aerodynamic changes we made. I think it's a slight tweak to our suspension. Oh, I think we're just getting worse. Welcome to, for F1's sake, the Formula 1 podcast that keeps going even when the race is over and everyone's off getting drunk. No Amber Lounge party for us. Amber Lounge? I'm like, is he getting the Red Lounge? That's at the old Dutch Grand Prix. Welcome to, for F1's sake, the Formula 1 podcast that starts in the light and descends into darkness. Literally and figuratively. I'm Chica Ed, and today we discuss the final race of the season, the race that even we didn't predict would be as predictable as it was. We'll chat about whether Hamilton has thrown the towel in, we'll speculate what the 2016 lineup will look like, and how FF1S might have revolutionised their engines. So that's all to come. Joining me in the Grafton Arms in Victoria, it's Phil Tromans. Hello. Hello, happy Phil. What have you been up to this week? Last week, actually, not a huge amount. I've been writing up loads of stuff that I did the previous week. Because, you know, last week I'd been off to Tenerife and I've been doing some other things I can't even remember about now. Uh, but one thing I didn't mention, I went to see the world's fastest car. Oh, yeah, you bring that at the end. Oh, yeah, I've done this, I've did done that. Did I mention that? that? I can't no. remember. No, did you I didn't actually mention that at the end? No. Yeah, I went to see uh, Bloodhound SSC, which is the uh, the world's, world's fastest car, or theoretically going to soon be the world's fastest car. So oh. they're building down in Bristol, which they're going to try and break the... They're going to try and hit a thousand miles an hour in. So uh, they haven't, they haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet. They're still putting it together. Well, but my, that. is it a bit of a bit of kit? Oh look, I've got the world's fastest car here. Oh, it hasn't done a thousand miles an hour yet, but it could. That's an iPhone six. I mean, the, no, this has got some credentials, but I'll give you, I'll give you some stats. This thing <laughs> is they're aiming for a thousand miles an hour. It's got the equivalent of 135,000 horsepower, which if you don't understand horsepower, imagine a pretty rapid Golf GTI, a hot hatch, has 200 horsepower. This is 135,000. That's the equivalent of, if my maths are correct, of about 180 Formula One cars. Or 135,000 horses. <laughs> well, yes. That, hence the name horsepower. Yeah. I thought I was trying to put it in a kind of way that we could understand. Well, you're assuming that, that our listeners will have know ridden, what a horse ridden a horse. Is. We know, well, know how powerful. Is. Yeah, but you know, could you tell how powerful a horse was? One horsepower. How, <laughs> <laughs> Here's a good stat for you. When, it, when it's going at full power, if you were sitting in Wembley Stadium 
and there was a door at one end and a door at the other, and you blinked as it came in one door, it would have gone before you opened your eyes again. Got all the way through down the entire length of Wembley Stadium. Well, that'd be fun to watch. It would be, it would be a ticket. <laughs> so when the uh, land speed record circuit goes through Wembley Stadium... <laughs> it's not going it's, it's to be a Race of Champions-style stadium event, I don't think. <laughs> and the sound of cynicism there comes from Terry Saunders. <laughs> oh, if I had a pound... Terry, what is new with you, please? I'm feeling pretty fit, if I'm honest, because... Uh, Terry, you've always been pretty fit. Well, I may have mentioned I've got an Apple Watch, and uh, Apple Watches do a thing where they try and make you stand at every kind of... enough points in the day to not be sedentary. And just now, whilst I was taking a wee in this very fine urinal in the Grafton Arms here near Westminster, my watch buzzed and told me, well done, you've stood for 12 hours today whilst I was weeing. So, you know, pretty fucking fit. Hang on. You were standing for 12 hours while weeing? Standing at least once an hour, 12 hours consecutively. But you were, were you weeing this whole time? I was weeing during the last one when I got the congratulations. So you weren't weeing for 12 hours? You didn't have, like, the <laughs> ultimate urinal if stage If I was weeing for 12 hours, you could call me Bloodhound. Oh, God. I think you should be like a raisin. I think we should move on at anyway. 1,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Chica, Chica, how are you? I'm, um, I'm good, thank you. I have had a classic disastrous week. Excellent. Um, have you got a house covered in shit again? Well... <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, yes. we just brush over that one now. We're used oh, to you it. brush over this. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you want to use a wet wipe? <laughs> Needs more than a wet wipe, Terry. If I had a had pound. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I left my bike at London Bridge. Uh oh, don't I do don't that. Do this. this sounds like a, the start of a blues song. <laughs> I wish it was that beautiful. And um, and the next day, I, I went <coughs> to go and get it, and uh, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to run. So uh, I ran from Hackney Wick to London Bridge through along the canal path. That's quite a long way. It's 10k, which wow. I'm running next weekend. So I thought. Oh, okay. So, so next weekend I'm running 10k for charity. So I thought I know. Oh, so you did a run as in with running gear. You weren't just like I'm going to run there. Sprinting and full. Well, I put some trainers on. It wasn't like or anything. And then so I got there, ran all the way. It was really sweaty. It was really cold. Got there and. Um, Realised I hadn't bought the key for the bike. (laughs) So uh, I was stood on London Bridge in a t-shirt getting funny looks from tourists. And I was like, yes. So got the tube back home and then had to do a 25-minute walk from the tube to my house in a t-shirt. The next day, I went to pick it up with the key. I was like, And then um, within four minutes of being on the bike, I'd been knocked off by a pedestrian. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Hurt my knee. And now can't run next weekend. Oh, Oh, shit off. So that is the 2015 season done then. Let's do the race review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Was it a classic? Well, how would you define a classic? Is it one that will live long in the memory? Absolutely not. Well, no. the first few laps, in fairness, were pretty exciting. Yeah, because uh, the first few laps, I was waiting for my food. We just should, to, we should just, mention, yeah. yeah. Just, we, uh, we watched this together for the first time. We went to a pub, reserved a table, and um, watched it together which was quite exciting in near silence for most of it yeah well, it turns yeah. out we have nothing to say <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what we predicted well Phil. we're in an unusual position where i predicted twice yeah and you got zero out of six pretty good pretty good <laughs> um, see Phil, of course one <laughs> rosberg one hamilton two and vessel three. Oh, two out of three is not bad it was a ferrari and i said hamilton vettel and bottas i didn't so what did Terry say? Well, initially in the last podcast, I said 
Vettel winning, Rosberg second and Verstappen third. Because, you know, I gave a bit of love to the poor guy, whereas you guys just, as soon as it matters, you turn your back on him. Then when we're in the pub, I had a real surety. I was completely convinced that Rosberg and Hamilton would crash into each other in a kind of old Senna Prost style. And it would be um, Kimi winning, then Bottas, then Vettel. Yep, no for six. I mean, Kimi was on the podium. That's true. Looking frankly terrified have you seen the pictures taken on the podium he looks like a sort of startled robot who's just seen Satan in the opposite stand oh I don't know he just looked like he didn't really care and he doesn't really want to be there he just looked like he's gone of all the fucking podiums to win it's the one with rose water <laughs> you know, Citizen Kane that's happened before though hasn't it there's, I'm sure there's footage of him maybe it was Bahrain it was either Bahrain or Abu Dhabi where he t- he's on the podium he takes a swig of the champagne and there's just a, a gif going around the internet of him just stopping looking at the <laughs> bottle and looking like he wants to kill somebody <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the race talking points. Um, of course, the big thing of the race is uh, what's happened to Hamilton? Or has Rosberg got better? What do you guys think? I think they've swapped helmets. I think it's a big practical joke. And at the end of the season, Hamilton's going to be like, put his face off, it'll be Rosberg. It seems that Hamilton isn't as good as he was a few weeks ago. It seems that... Ro- I mean, with a bit of hindsight from this race, Rosberg was actually pretty bloody good he won it fair and square all weekend absolutely yeah. got the qualifying he had the pace when he needed it he stuck ahead of Hamilton who had a bit of a shit start anyway and just Rosberg knocked it out of the park yeah he's he found well. his mojo he's properly on form it's a shame he didn't do it 12 races ago I only hope that what's ever changed within the car since Hamilton's won the championship that when the next you can just imagine Rosberg all winter being like it's going to be my year next year. I'm going to do it. I've ended on a high, and then he's going to get in the car, and it's just going to be the next year's car is going to be like, oh no, you're not doing the thing that I'm good at. Or next year, I reckon there's a chance <coughs> that Rosberg will beat Hamilton, but that the Ferraris will beat them both. Uh-huh. So Rosberg, be, oh, that would be awful for Rosberg. Rosberg will finish second in the championship. <laughs> second to Vettel. Oh no. Okay, so in terms of the car, Hamilton has said that he hasn't been comfortable with it ever since Singapore. They got some new bits in Singapore, which as as is my understanding which I say a lot on this podcast because it's just like I, as I've sort of vaguely read up on a reliable um, source they, they changed a bit of the suspension which essentially now means that Hamilton can't get such a sharp response from the car when he first turns into the corner which is how he likes to drive he likes it to properly jump into the corner really quickly and then sort of you know catch the back end as and when he likes so that could actually be a reason because I thought that was just a really just a no, really I mean, in theory, it's a, it's a good reason. I mean, whether it's true or not, I've done no idea. But this is what people seem to be speculating, that it's just not quite set up the way he likes it so he can properly throw it around. Um, Which actually does make sense, because he's been saying that since Mercedes employed this new mechanic that turns up in the morning of the race, and he's kind of... He's got blonde hair, but a really weird-looking beard. And he always says, oh, I'll do the front of the car, Lewis. He oh, Rico. To, Rico, yeah, Rico Nosberg. Uh, <laughs> he he does some bolts on the suspension and stuff, and ever since then, it's weird. <laughs> Hamilton's, from what I understand, he, he likes a car that he can throw around, and then, you know, he wants the front end to do what he wants, and then he can just, you know, gather up the back end if it starts getting out of control, that's fine. Whereas Rosberg has a slightly different preferences. And so it seems that the, this new bit that they've put in suits Rosberg a bit more and Hamilton tried this weekend changing the suspension bit back to the old bit but it clearly hasn't worked quite as well because probably a load of other stuff has changed as well so it'll be interesting to see I actually haven't got it in front of me but I seem to remember seeing in an interview that he said that the car that they're finishing with this season 
is in large part what the car next season is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets to grips with it over the winter or gets his head around what he can do about it, or if fundamentally the 2016 car is going to suit Rosberg better. But then we've also got the problem with Rosberg and pressure. He's not very good, is he? No. But, I mean, he's, he's done well the last three. If he can harness this, uh, this talent now, he's done three in a row now, the first time he's won three races in a row. If he can harness that power that he's found and just not think about the pressure next year... At least at the start, because the pressure's not going to be on in Australia, is it? If he yes, can get a good start, no, he's got the whole season to balls it up. Okay, so it wasn't just that, but there was a weird strategy for Hamilton with the tyres. Can you explain this? Because I still am quite so, confused by this. So, after everyone, us included, moaned about the fact that Mercedes won't give him a free strategy, they said to him, you've got your choice of strategies, mate. And then in the car, he was like, I can't decide, tell me what to do. And so he said, um, can I go to the end of the race? No, no. Uh, colder <laughs> yeah. it was like, work. oh can I go on super softs uh, getting warmer can I go on the tyres I was supposed to go on anyway bingo <laughs> well, so, yeah. Yeah, he stayed out for a very long time in the middle because he was trying to I think he was trying to jump Rosberg after the stops because he didn't seem to have the pace to get past him on track so he stayed out for ages and then was like oh if the tyres feel alright maybe I can get to the end and they did some quick calculations. We're like, no, nope, it's not going to work. I thought, did they even do the calculations? I seem to remember them saying, we're not even going to bother doing the calculations. Yeah, I mean, I've read since that work. he would be like four seconds a lap down by the end of the race. Yeah, so that wasn't going to work. Uh, and, and we were at the time, I remember watching it, when he did come in and he went back onto the softs again. And we were like, why hasn't he gone to the super softs? Which presumably would be quicker. But apparently he didn't have a new set of super softs left yes. for the weekend. He'd only got a scrub set. They would felt it would be better to go onto the new softs. But he still wasn't. I mean, it started, started off catching him quite quickly and then stopped after about four laps. But he was annoyed with the team, wasn't he? But it sounds like it was his fault. I think the problem is deeper. I think it's Formula One itself, because when we were watching this, it was a moment of real excitement going, what's he going to do? He's doing something different. He's staying out. Or he's pitting. He's going to put super softs on, and he's not. And the fact that Formula One is so based around the numbers and the statistics and the equations, that the, the fact is what happened was they went for the safest only option they could do. They were the, my problem with Formula 1 the last couple of years is all the potential drama that always fizzles out, where they go, he's going to catch him by the end of the race, and you just end with him right behind the guy at the end of the race. And with this one, it's like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Oh, he's going to do what he's going to do anyway, because that's the only option. I, I wonder if... if it, would, it would have been genuinely intriguing to see him go on a crazy strategy you know let's right let's see if I can make these tyres last to the end or right let's get on the super softs and see how fast I can go but the trouble is they have too much information yeah, and this, this, this basically I think they should just do away with giving them any information apart from strictly on safety grounds they should not be allowed to say anything he, totally Hamilton should be allowed to go right I'm going to the end or he should be like right put on the super softs I don't, don't do any calculations as to how well it's going to work I'm going on my gut I totally agree. And why was the American Grand Prix so exciting? Because they didn't have all this information because all the, the practices were washed out. So they went to the race not knowing what's going to happen in any situation. Whereas what actually happens in most races is they've done so many simulated laps that they go, oh, well, if you stop here, you're going to finish fifth. Like, I hate it when at the start of the race they go, we think we're going to finish fifth. Oh, come on. Have a bit of dreaming. Go, we're going to finish third. Okay. I mean, I don't really know where to go from that. Except for Ferrari. What do we think about them? Well, Vettel fucked the whole weekend up by going, I think I'm okay, and then he wasn't. And then Kimi, you know, Kimi did that thing when he finishes third, when Vettel finishes fourth, when Vettel's fucked up qualifier. The fact that Vettel went from the back of the grid to fourth 
makes Kimmy's third look a bit shit. Kimmy went from third to third. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that's well, I'm in fairness to Kimmy. I mean, he's he never going to catch the Mercs, is he? I know, but it's just that thing of going... And where could he go from there? One guy finish, starts like 16th and finishes fourth. The other guy starts third, finishes third. It makes Kimmy look shit. That's what I'm saying. For all us talking about the fact that the Mercedes were a bit boring, uh, Vettel's was, was a relatively interesting way to do it because he... Uh, yeah, he messed up qualifying royally because they all thought he got a quick enough time in Q1 and he didn't and he was out. But then he did a really, really long first stint and then right at the end he came out on the super softs like we hope Hamilton would and he just blasted past everyone and that got him yeah. out fourth. But it was quite a late charge. And so, I mean, you could say that aside from the balls up, he did pretty well. And, you know, Kimmy kept his nose clean and yeah. Vettel got out of his way when he was being caught by him after the pit stop. That was all nice. But we are kind of... Could I say expert fans? You know, we I know go that far, no. we know a lot about Formula One. We do, we do. Don't uh, enjoy yourself down, guys. Come on. I mean, you know, we've watched some races. And we're watching the race together. We've got all this information before us. And why don't we know that he's got some super soft tires and Hamilton hasn't? Why isn't this why isn't this information more readily available on the captions and on screen and by the commentators? We had it just a seems a bit well, I mean this is all it's all access to information these days, isn't it? We yeah. we should have more information, the team should have less. But I mean, uh, Formula One doesn't make it easy. I mean, you can only watch the pictures that are on the screen at the time, unless you've got one of the fancy multi-cam, choose-your-own-camera setup things. Well, which we were I don't. in a place that had 28 screens. But they were all showing the same thing, apart from when one of them went to golf for a second for no apparent reason. Which is the best bit of the race, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I used, to have, I used to have the F1 app, which gave you live timing, which is genuinely interesting to watch. And if anybody out there uh, is thinking about getting the live timing app, I recommend it, except... It's gone up in price about three times this season, so I didn't buy it out of principle. And quite often it doesn't work properly. But when it does work, it's really good. You can get and it on you, the BBC. You get, you get a whole different aspect to it, to you know, watching the Purple Sector Times of people who aren't necessarily on screen, but you could follow the race without actually watching anything. It's another thing about opening up more information to the fans, but maybe not charging them a fortune for it. Let's talk about Williams. It didn't really stand out much to me. I can't really remember. Oh, much they stood out in that one bit when they released Bottas into the face of Jensen yes, Button. Yes, well, yes. Into, the, into the buttocks of Jensen Button. <laughs> like, Not literally. Oh, Bottas had a pit stop. He was doing pretty well, I think. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah. He was kind of up there. And then he, he was on a, a bit of a charge. And then he had a front wing hanging off. Yeah, the entire so, lap. It, so that's that's not a good. Place. So yeah, so so they basically uh, Button was coming in for his pit stop, which his pit garage right in front of of the Williams one, just as they decided to let Bottas go. And, of course, Bottas went smacking into the back of him. Had to do an entire lap. Literally was three yards from his pit stop when this happened. But, obviously, you can't reverse in the pit lane, so he had to go out the pit lane all the way around the track and all the way back in again with a broken wing. And so completely ruined his race. Did he get a penalty for it? Yes, he got a five-second time penalty on on top of that as well. So it it was a thoroughly bad day. And you could argue, I think, that... It was stupid to release him because you can clearly see if the McLaren's coming, surely. And once again, it's it's Williams dropping the ball. They are so rubbish this year. It's almost like well, they've been good in principle, but they just keep making silly mistakes. Yeah, like the, just the logistics of. I mean, the, the way they are on the pit stops, I'm surprised they they can get the trucks to the races on time. I'm surprised there's not someone going, Abu Dhabi. Oh shit! I'm at Monza. <laughs> I'm in Azerbaijan. <laughs> so sorry, mate. Okay, they were the fastest cars in a straight line. When you looked at the speed traps down the back straight, which of course is massively long in, uh, in, in Abu Dhabi, they were the fastest by a mile. They were doing like 336 kilometres an hour. But they just around wandered there. around the corners. But then they kind of weren't quite so quick in the corners and then they just made silly blunders in the race. I mean, should we talk about Massa as well? He just didn't really do much, did he? He started eighth, finished I've had, eighth. I've had enough of Massa. Okay, what do we think about Red Bull then? Well, I can't remember much about Red Bull. 
we're in a pub with uh, football on. Now, this might not be a uh, strange happening when we choose to record in pubs, but I can tell you that it's an Everton match and we're in a pub near Westminster and Andy Burnham is watching the match. For the purposes of our, our foreign or less politically inclined listeners, who's Andy Burnham? Uh, he was trying to uh, become Labour leader but lost to uh, our dear Jeremy. He just made eye contact with me. <laughs> I'm a bit scared. <laughs> think I've got a file now. He's seen, he's seen he's got a beard and he's like, oh no. And a microphone. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the big problem here. Yeah. To continue, Red Bull, Ricardo in sixth, Korea in tenth. I mean, Ricardo finishing sixth and qualified fifth is actually probably pretty good. I haven't actually looked into his race, but I look at that stat and go, oh, that's not bad for them, considering they ditched their upgraded engine from Brazil that turned out to be rubbish, went back to the old one. They were getting, I seem to remember them getting absolutely mugged on the big straights because they've got no power still. Well, Ricardo said at the end he thinks that Red Bull have got the best chassis, which is why they can overcome <coughs> their engine deficit. And that I would make sense, to be honest. That would make sense. Because they've got no power on the straights, but then in all the little twisty bits at the end of Yas Marina, yeah. they're catching up all that time, to the point where they can both finish in the um, points. And apparently they both had temperature issues with their cars in the race. Kvyat had electrical problems and Ricardo's totally. brakes were overheating. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like we like to mock Red Bull for their engine politics and screwing over Renault and then getting screwed over themselves. But actually, Red Bull with a decent engine would have probably been well the best tonic for a Mercedes dominant year. Well, you can, I think you can understand why Mercedes didn't want to give them an engine. Yeah. They'd be well away. Yeah. Oh. All right. What about Lotus? Lotus was interesting. They had one of the best performances in the race by Grosjean and the only retirement from Maldonado. I have to say, when the race started, I was like, Maldonado's back. He's L- taken out Alonso. But it wasn't actually him that crashed, was no, it? I looked, no. I, uh, when, they, when they showed it later on, it was, seemed to be Alonso just playing pinball with every car in the mm. back of the field. And for once, it wasn't. It, as far as I can tell, it wasn't Maldonado. I played the silver ball from Monza to Abu Dhabi. I must have played the, the ball. ball. <laughs> that Spanish kid sure played. I mean, I see what you mean. We were always singing in the podcast. We should have written this beforehand. Yeah, It'd be yeah, much funnier. From Bottas down to Rossi, I must have hit them all. Oh, there you good, go. That's good. We'll work on that. I also Venezuelan oil baron. Sure plays a mean pin. No. Dun, 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 dun. Beatbox Chica. Dun, 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 um, also found a website um, called hasmaldonadocrashedtoday.com. Have they updated it on Sunday? Yeah. Excellent. It's 1.3 days since his last crash by the time we recorded It's like this. one of those sort of accident at work type things. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it wasn't his fault. So we're, we're unfi- unfairly maligning him. And it was... Grosjean's final race for Lotus and I yeah. felt quite emotional yeah, handed over the keys emotional. Yeah. I mean he actually had a similar race to uh, to Fettel didn't he he had gearbox problems in qualifying uh, which dumped him out in Q2 and then he obviously had to replace his gearbox which of course is against the rules so they gave him a five place penalty but his alternative was not have a gearbox but then he did a similar strategy Vettel and was, and was charging at the end but then sort of ran out of laps as he was charging up through people he finished eighth in the end but yeah are we going to uh, are we going to miss Grosjean from Lotus do you think assuming Lotus are going to be on the grid next year well if Lotus are on the grid then they're going to be <coughs> at best in a transitional year as Renault so they're not going to be very good they've got Maldonado and Jolene Palmer so just be boring just be no fun no fun there do you think he's actually made the right decision to go to Haas then because they, the yes. more I learn about them, the more I think, hey, they could actually not be right at the back next year. Yeah, I think Haas are going to be up there. I don't think they're going to be up there for wins, but I think they're going to be 
certainly challenging the mid teams. Yeah. It seems like they've got their act together more than any of the other new teams we've seen in the last five, Definitely. six, seven, eight, however many years. And some extra time in the wind tunnel. Yes. What about Toro Rosso? Verstappen in 16th, Sainz in 11th. Well... Should we talk about Sainz first and then get to the good stuff? Sainz is out-qualified Verstappen this year. Mm. Yes, You're overall. golden boy. The two of you <laughs> going, oh, isn't he amazing? Oh, it looks like he's yeah, not all he, that, is he? He's out-qualified him. I think it was 10 to 9 in the end. But should we, should we look at the... Uh, should we look at the standings? No, it's not fair because Sainz has had too many retirements that weren't his fault. And in fact, if you normalise the standings and take away all the races where Sainz didn't win, didn't finish and then take away Verstappen's points from that race, then I think you'll find it will be a lot closer. I haven't done the research. <laughs> so, so do you think um, Sainz is just as good but just maybe not quite as exciting? I don't think he's as good. I think... I think he's good. I think he's really good. But I think Verstappen is exceedingly good. You know when years ago for Christmas you'd get CD compact discs and you maybe get two albums that you asked for and you'd listen to one on repeat because you'd be like, this album's really amazing. And the other album would get kind of abandoned because the first album's really good. I think that's what's happened. I think Signs is really good, but Verstappen's just got a slightly more catchy single. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the second album was bad. No. I mean, you may find, you know, later on in the year, after the tinsel has been packed away, that you listen to the second album and you go, hey, this is a really good second album. This is really album. deep. This is really, and I'm not, it's not, it's not all about the guys. I dad. mean, it's not Rage Against the Machine by Rage Against the Machine, but it's still, you know. But at the same time, it is. Still whatever Nirvana album was out near then. Wigfield Greatest Hits. <laughs> However, saying that, this was not Verstappen's best race, was it? In fact, he was not wasn't great. wasn't wasn't his best performance. No. Did anyone else think that he wanted to end the year on a high and he was trying a bit too hard? Yeah. I mean, I can't, buy, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to slag him off for that too much. He's had a couple of mistakes this year, but but what mistakes? He was just pushing really, really, really hard. I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. He was just trying to have a he was trying to have a crack at. Um, at Kvyat, wasn't he? To be fair, without him, that race would have been unbelievably dull. So I'm I still maintain the first few laps are exciting, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so Verstappen was having a crack at Kvyat halfway through, but he, he flat spotted his tires completely. I mean, like properly, sort of big old smoking plumes. Um, had to change his tires immediately, which completely messed up his strategy. I think he was also bouncing off button a bit, and then he ignored some blue flags, and then got a twenty-second penalty for going off track basically just was it was a bit of a bad boy and he's ended up with the most penalties at the end of the season hasn't he he's only a few points away from a race ban mad max okay force india well big news we didn't i don't think we spoke last week about force india not existing anymore did we well they still do at the moment but not for long well have we i don't think we've had that confirmed one way or the other have we I think it's been as much confirmed as it hasn't been confirmed well there was a, there was a bloke from aston martin racing in the Force India garage, apparently a bit incognito, but was sort of there with the Force India guest badge on. So basically the worst named team ever in Formula One is soon going to be called Aston Martin. Oh, now there must be a worst named team. This is something where the listeners should get involved. Listeners, let us know on our Facebook page, slash F1S, the worst named F1 teams. There must be something worse than Force, Force India. I mean, India. No, it's, it's a terrible name. Like we, it sounds like it sounds like something that starts an international incident. Okay, right, moving on. Um, anyway, sorry, we should talk about Force India, shouldn't we? We should do. Perez was astounding in this race. He almost qualified third, which I don't think he's ever done before, but then he didn't. And then he had a... Uh, he's definitely not qualified third before. I don't think so. No, he's definitely not qualified third before. Yes. He's definitely not managed to qualify third before. Yes. What? 
Hulkenberg's excuse for uh, for not doing very well is he'd set his car up differently and it didn't work. I said that like he'd set it up. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I mean, mean maybe that would be another way to spice up Formula One. They're not yeah. on any data. Build your own cars. And they've got to do it themselves like in the well, old they, days. I mean, they sort of do. Do they? they yeah, they give feedback to the... Giving feedback, giving feedback, giving. You're saying they should actually get out the car and start cranking spanners. Mm -hmm. Giving feedback and doing the setup are different things. Giving feedback is like if you're at home and someone else is trying to put a bookcase together and you go, you want to no, that bit's wrong, or what you're doing it yourself. There's a big difference. Well, I think I think there's different levels of feedback. You're going to have drivers who are like, it doesn't feel right. Or there's drivers who be like, I keep crashing backwards through the corners. And there's going to be drivers who are like, I want three more turns of front wing. Exactly. And I reckon Massa would be the bloody worst. I reckon he would be the one going, what? I can't... Why Massa? I don't know. It's something about him. <laughs> about Hamilton? Imagine if you gave him a spanner. He'd probably just paint it gold and go, I love what I've done with this spanner. <laughs> Hashtag spanner. Okay, McLaren. Uh, Alonso well, did not have a nice weekend, did he? Can I just um, butt in and say I've got some uh, news McLaren as a team are going to take a sabbatical next year. <laughs> 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 they could though, couldn't they? They could. Would, would, anyone, would anyone miss them? Would they get more points than if they did? <laughs> be a lot cheaper. Yeah. Well, they should just swap places with the uh, the pushchair manufacturer McLaren. Oh, and they'd have a literal pram for all the drivers to throw their toys out. <laughs> so what is happening with the sabbatical? Is that because one minute Alonso saying he is and then he's So not. basically, in an interview, apropos of nothing, Rod Dennis said there's a chance that if the car's not that good next year, Alonso will take a sabbatical. To which immediately someone said to Alonso, are you going to take a sabbatical next year? And he was like, no. Well, he thinks, well, hang on, what, what does Ron know about the car next year that I don't? And he's like, what What the fuck is going on with that team? Well, I was watching this when this happened, and, and they I was watching it on the BBC, and they had Mark Webber guesting, Mark Webber, uh, guesting as a, uh, as a pundit uh, at the weekend. And he knows Alonso really well. They're good mates. And uh, he basically said that he was a ticking time bomb, and he reckons that it'll depend in testing as whether the car's any good or not. And if Alonso goes to testing and turns up in Barcelona and the car's just as crap as it is this year, he'll be like, fuck this, I'm off. Well, which is fair enough. But since then, he said, no, that's not true, and nothing's happening. And I'm they've all, end my career they've all very, they've been scurrying to cover everything up, so who knows what's going on. Both Ron Dennis and Alonso have both said, I'm going to end my career, Alonso's going to end his career at McLaren. And Ron Dennis has said he's going to end his no, career. No, no, Ron said Alonso's going to end his career at McLaren. And <laughs> they both said this with this kind of reverence of means whatever happens, he's committed to this team. The same Alonso that said he's going to end his career at Ferrari a few years ago. <laughs> Fuck you. I, I think whatever he's doing at the moment, it's ending his career. Hey. Let's talk about him in the race, though. He didn't have a very good one, did he? He had a puncture in qualifying. Because he's not had good luck this year either, has he? No. At the start, he bashed into NASA, which then fired him into Maldonado, and he got a penalty... And, and then, then he, and then he said, if there wasn't a safety car that he'd pull out, <laughs> yeah, he is basically just like, what is the point? Of, which I can understand. He's, he's got a point. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, just like, but he just wanted someone to crash then. So well, yeah, which again has precedent. Alonso, <laughs> can uh, is PK driving? Because a crash would really help me right now. <laughs> Jensen, uh, how do you like walls? Speaking of Jensen, though, he did all right. Yeah. He was only a tenth off Verstappen in qualifying. He was ahead of the Lotuses in qualifying. Yep. On a high-speed straight track bit. Maybe the McLaren next year won't be terrible. They will be. <laughs> yeah, probably will be. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Sauber. Ericsson in 14th and NASA in 15th. I mean, we commented on this while we were watching it, didn't we? It's like, it was basically like, race, 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 race. Oh, look, there's two Saubers sitting next to each other doing nothing. 
way out of the points. I mean, at least they're both, the drivers are both at the same level that they've got each other company. Like, imagine if one was a lot better than the other. I think they were just like, it's like when you watch, you know, some sort of silly Top Gear or Fifth Gear style shootout on telly where they're just batting around a track in hypercars and they're just like, wait, we're not racing, we're just gonna, we're just gonna mess around and have some fun. We're all gonna dive down the inside. Oh, you crazy guy. Hey, just messing around in cars. It's like when you go karting with your mates or something. And just So you're basically about. saying they're on a track day. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Okay, finally, manor. Manor, manor. Well, manor, I mean, this was the story of the weekend. I think the return of our triumphant hero, Roberto Mary's back. Did we miss him? Who? <laughs> the, not Rossi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Roberto, Great. not Rossi. Great. Did he? Uh, he came back and was terrible. Had a lousy qualifying. To the point where Manor took the car out of Park Ferme after qualifying to change the settings because it was they were just like we we can't even for Manor we can't race the car as it is at the moment <laughs> because it's just awful. Yeah, but you heard what was wrong with the car. Will Stevens had put lots of uh, <laughs> bottles of Chanel Number no. Five in the AirPods. He'd been selling off bits when nobody was looking. Yeah, you got it through duty free that way. But yeah, Stevens was much quicker than him all weekend, which says a lot because Stevens yeah. was made to look a bit rubbish by Rossi, I think which we'll probably cover in our wondrous review of the year episode if we do one. So, yeah, Mary was lousy, started at the back, started from the pit lane, stayed at the back, finished behind Stevens. Stevens was quicker and obviously slower than everybody else because it's in a manner. But let's see if they're better next year. OK, so that was the race, but it is the end of the season. So let's go to the final standings, please, Terry. Okay, the final standings for the 2015 season are Champion is Grumpy, Happy second, Nazi third, Kimmy fourth, Cressy fifth, Christmassy sixth, Rusky seventh, followed by Aussie, Speedy, Hulky Walky, Honey Honey Whore, Spotty Lonely, Reverting to Formy, Rally Genty, Sabbatically, Eric Sony, Mary Rossi Selly, and Dead to Me, says Ron, is last. And the Constructors' Championship... Uh, Mercedes Benzedrine have won, uh, Vito is second, Wally Ams is third, the Flintstones are fourth, Aston Martin fifth, Renault sixth, Hanna Barbera seventh, uh, Waiting for Godot is eighth, Dad's Army ninth, and Rearguard tenth. <laughs> Okay, so it's time for your questions. And this week we have had a personal best of three questions sent in. Get in. Hello. Two are from the same guy, but that doesn't matter. Shh. There's a rumour that Salba will be coming in as a Honda customer team in 2017. Is it do or die for McLaren? I don't think this affects McLaren at all. In fact, McLaren famously had the veto over Red Bull not getting the Honda engine. And what I think this means is McLaren have been told by Bernie to choose a team who would like to have the Honda engine, and they've gone for the team that currently has a Ferrari engine and yet is shit. So they've basically said, can we have those guys with the Honda engine because we don't want to look pathetic? Thank you. I will be absolutely staggered if McLaren are still utterly terrible in 2017. Uh, I mean, there's enough heritage and talent at that team in theory that they uh, they really should be at least halfway decent at least with the chassis even if the engine's still rubbish by 2017 so even if Sauber do come in I would be very surprised if McLaren by then are not pedalling a decent car and also I think it's fair to say if Haas is going to be the B team to Ferrari which seems like it's going to be the case Manor's going to be the B team to Mercedes everyone's got to have their B team Sauber going to be McLaren's B team. Okay, so let's go to the other question from David. Also, could we see a repeat of Senna in 93 with Alonso in 2016? So hang on, you're saying that 
Alonso's going to have a really good 2016, but then he's going to die horribly in 2017. That's an awful thing to say. I think next what year... What's wrong with you, David? I Jesus. think next year at Donington, Alonso is going to have a fucking great race. I'm so looking forward to next year's European Grand Prix. Yep, can't wait. But I think the weather's going to be a bit shit, so maybe we'll watch it on telly. Yeah. And the final question is from Mushy Bees. says, what's up with Bernie's wig? Does he think he's fooling anyone? thing is Bernie has so much power and money that this is basically a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes he knows how ridiculous he looks and he is daring anybody to speak up who will be the little boy saying he's wearing a wig mushy bees is it you are you going to be the little boy saying he's wearing a wig we talked about this once we said oh it's definitely a wig and then I remember we were watching something and his hair blew up and it showed a quite strong hairline. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a wig at all. I'm, I've had the fortune or misfortune to spend considerable amounts of time among wealthy people because of my work in the car world and the car, you know, motor shows and char shows and all this kind of stuff. The and you know mo- us. The more yeah. money people have, the worse their taste in haircuts and clothes. Exhibit B. <laughs> as soon as you earn a certain... I think as soon as you go over, let's say, I don't know, 15 million in the bank, you wear stupid mustard colour trousers and you have... You have a Flavio Briatore haircut. It's just the rules. So, to summarise, we're saying that his hair is real, but really bad because he's rich. He's got rich man's hair. Okay. Keep sending your questions. We will keep answering them on Twitter and on Facebook. We will tell you the details at the end of the show. And now it is time for Phil Troman's News Round. Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's the last, the last post. post. Oh shit! I thought it was Jaws. <laughs> I was the, trying that's to the do Jaws. Jaws has already died. Yeah, and they're just really sad about it. But they were words of poppy. It's Phil's news. <laughs> Have Red Bull got an engine? Yes. Christian Horner says they've definitely got an engine. They're definitely going to be racing next year. Do we know what it is? I don't think we do. Or do we? Can I ask a question? Yes. What is an unbranded engine? Well, this is one of the things it might be. An unbranded engine. This is one of the theories going around. Theory is they're going to have a Renault engine. And they're going to do stuff with it themselves. Except Renault's engines are actually built by a company called Mechachrome. So they might have just sort of a a Mechachrome engine. It's built by Mechachrome. And then they'll pay some sort of licensing fee to somebody so they can call it whatever they want. Whether it's a TAG engine or maybe they call it an FF1S engine. Because as we all know, we're, we're big into the engine game right now. The sensible money seems to suggest it's basically going to be the same physical design of unit that Renault are using but they're going to take it on as it was at a certain point they're going to develop it in-house this is Red Bull is going to develop it in-house it's going to be made by Mechachrome as the current Renault engines are and they're going to stick a different name on it uh, the other suggestion which is a bit outside is that there was a piece on Grand Prix 24-7 which uh, is, a, is a website that sort of runs a general feed of F1 news stories from all over the place and sort of varies in, in how much you can believe it but there's a story that, that Christian Horner was hinting that Ron Dennis wouldn't be very happy about what the new engine is. Which seems to suggest that it's, it's made be out a of his mother. Oh. <laughs> his mother, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. Round. Help um, me, Rhonda. <laughs> I can't believe that that's accurate, but uh, it's another speculation that's out there is that maybe, maybe they're actually just going to. I mean, we were joking about this a few episodes ago that they're literally going to end up with a Honda engine. I mean, I think the unbranded, or whatever they decide to call it, engine is probably more likely, but um, yeah, who knows? So, in conclusion, have Red Bull an engine? Yes, we have no idea what. So, Phil, what's the latest with Lotus and Renault? Well, the saga is, is carrying on. For anyone who hasn't been following it, Lotus ain't got no money. Uh, Renault are pretty much said, we're going to buy the team. But it hasn't happened yet. And that appears to be 
causing a bit of bother. There were reports that uh, Lotus were quite late turning up at Abu Dhabi, and there were reports that they couldn't afford to pay all their airfares for all their kit, and Bernie had to chuck in some money to get them out. It seems that Renault are taking their time to make a decision. However, Joe Sayward, a very esteemed proper Formula One journalist who actually goes to all the races, has said that this is because the Formula One group has pissed off Carlos Ghosn, who's the big boss of the the Renault-Nissan alliance, by not signing on the agreement that they made for the amount of money they're going to get if they join the F1 circus. Because, you know, during the deal they said, "Okay, we might come and join, but you need to promise a certain amount of money because we're going to be investing like a billion quid into this programme if we do it for, let's say, you know, 10 years. So apparently Formula One group were like, yeah, okay, but we're not, they haven't signed it and, and, and Carlos going through a bit of a hissy fit. Now, apparently, as of Abu Dhabi, a deal has probably been reached. As far as I'm aware, it hasn't been properly formalised. Um, but Lotus did have to ask for an advance on the money owed for them, owed to them, I should say, from the Formula One group, as did Sauber, uh, in order to sort of pay for everything to get everything in. So it's all, as always completely up in the air nobody knows what's going on everyone's being massive children and they're just doing stupid politics and so if Renault don't buy Lotus what will happen next season I mean it's pretty as far as I can tell it's pretty pretty nailed on that they will I think Lotus's plan B is a new engine manufacturer that is close to all our hearts I think we'll find out about that later intriguing stuff Terry right back to the news Phil Haas are they basically a junior Ferrari team so the new F1 team coming in next year, Haas, run by Gene Haas, who's had a NASCAR team for a long time. They're actually looking pretty pretty slick in terms of their build-up. They've done a lot of stuff with Ferrari, to the point where some people are saying, is it basically just going to be a junior Ferrari team? Yes. And they're going to be developing Ferrari, and Ferrari basically will have two avenues of testing and development, and they'll use it to make their car super quick. And there was a bit of a Ferrari in the press that... Mercedes asked the FIA for clarification on what you could or couldn't do with a team that you're supplying to. Although they didn't actually Definitely mention like Ferrari or Haas. But the press all were like, Mercedes savages Ferrari for nonsense and all this rubbish. But basically they were want, they were trying to figure out what are you allowed to do? And if Ferrari are doing this, can we do it with our supplying team? So Mercedes wanted to know if they could do a similar thing with Manor, Force India and um, Williams for next year. Because essentially you don't want this sort of or we don't, as fans, want this thing where the big teams can use their customer teams as extra test beds because then the gap between the big teams and the smaller teams who aren't their suppliers will just get even uh, even bigger and it's going to be silly. So the FIA have clarified what you can and can't do. And I had a quick look at the rules, but it all looked really boring. Basically, you can't share all the info with your supplier, which means you can go faster. So now everybody knows where they stand, and that's that. That's some top quality journalism by me not reading. But if Haas were to leave a Google Doc open and then Ferrari (laughs) walked in and accidentally logged in and saw the number four, I don't know why that would be relevant, but it might be later. I feel like we're going back in time here. Is it 2007 or 8 or whenever that debacle was? Yes. Wasn't it something to but do now with, that's legal. Wasn't it something to do with photocopying or something? I can't remember what happened. Yeah. What, was the, what was the background story to that? It was something like that, wasn't it? McLaren, one of McLaren's people went into a print shop and found something very illegal from Ferrari or something. Well, he needed help getting the uh, Ferrari on the photocopier. It was something like just that. just photocopied the entire car. Next on your agenda, Phil, what have you got to say about Austin? What's happened to Austin's powers? Aust- Austin powers. Tenuous, horrific pun aside... Austin Grand Prix, which, as we all remember this year, was really good for us watching on TV, was not at all really good for the people running the race uh, because it pissed it down with rain and then there was the Mexico Grand Prix a couple of weeks later and consequently hardly anyone went and they lost a load of money. 
on top of that, the local government uh, is dropping the amount of state funding that the race gets from $25 million to $19.5 million. Uh, and $5.5 million in anyone's book is quite a lot of money. Not in Bernie's book. In Bernie's book, in terms of the money that he demands from other people, that is quite a lot of money. I, it's not the kind of money that he's just going to let slide. Because as we all know, Bernie likes a lot of money from every circuit that, that wants to host a race. The boss, or the chairman of, of Circuit the Americas, Bobby Epstein, has basically said, and I quote, the race is screwed. Uh, which, at the moment, looks like we're not going to get Austin next year, which I think is actually a really big shame. Um, so we've got Azerbaijan. I think it would be sad if we, if we do lose it because I, I like the track as far as the new tracks go. I think it's an interesting one. Um, but more annoyingly, it's yet another F1 in America venture that's completely balled up. And yeah. also, one less race for next year. It's so silly. I mean, America should be absolutely central to Formula One's plans. It's such a massive potential market. They love motor racing. Oh, it just frustrates me. But at least it's Azerbaijan, which is a really important market for Formula One. And finally, Manor is changing its name for 2016. Yes, apparently so. There have been uh, rumours around that Manor has, has filed a submission to, to officially change its name to something. Or obviously, we remember it used to be called Marussia. And this year, it's been Manor Marussia because they haven't been able to officially jettison the Marussia name, even though they're not sponsoring them anymore. Uh, so for 2016, under its new owner, Stephen Fitzpatrick of Ovo Energy fame, it's going to be called something. We don't know. Okay, well, we look forward to that, but there is only one other thing we can look forward to. That is the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. So, everyone listening, you may remember that the last episode we were talking about the horrendous situation of the engine tender in Formula One. Well, we were true to our word and we said that we would send off an expression of interest to be an engine manufacturer and well listeners we did and i've got some of the highlights of our document that we opened out for tender we open sourced this engine it'll be the only open source engine to not get made because it's not real so i'm going to read out some of the best suggestions that came from within and without the formula one world so if you're not aware of the uh, engine process you get a spreadsheet from the fia which i had to uh I had to lie a little bit to get, because I, I wrote to Fabrice Lom, who is the head of something in the FIA, said, could we please have this spreadsheet? He wrote back and said, are you actually representing an engine manufacturer? And I kind of didn't say yes, but I kind of didn't say no. Kind of said, I am representing people interested in the engine manufacturer process, which, you know, isn't an actual lie. And so I got the spreadsheet through and... Um, so to give you an idea, you get questions like, easy question, engine, number of cylinders in your proposed engine. Now, as far as I'm aware, it has to be six. So I've put seven, if you want, because <laughs> I figure one more than the rest makes us look good. Architecture of the engine, we've put gothic. Because <laughs> why, I mean, why does an engine have to not be fancy? Fuel, Sainsbury's unleaded. Power, now instead of using horsepower, I've just said uh, more than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Which I thought would be uh, get them dreaming, get them a bit excited. <laughs> Durability, we've just put a couple of minutes. Let's not try to overstretch ourselves. And if anything, Honda has well beaten us on that one. There's a thing called a BSFC, and our answer is just big, sexy, fun clothes, question mark. 
hybridation, Duracell 9 volt battery, obviously. Supply, man in a van. Supply perimeter, as far as Dave's van will go. Uh, the data logger, Phil Tromans. ECU and Xbox 360. We're just, I've got one that we can just take apart. Intake ports and ex exhaust ports. We've just put none, because that just sounds like it's going to really overcomplicate this. Oh, another thing we've also made a conscious decision is anything that asks for measurements, we've just put four. Just, you know, let's just make this simple. So, piston pin diameter in millimetres, four. Piston pin length, four. Connecting rod length, four. Piston compression height, four millimetres. Compression ratio, four to one. Crankshaft height, four. Crankshaft weight in grams, four. Crankshaft material, dried milky cornflakes, because that's the hardest thing. Valve actuation, yes. Intake valve position, three o'clock. <laughs> Exhaust valve position, erect. Valve material, wax. Variable valve timing, if we can fit it in, but probably not till Tuesday. <laughs> Starting point at the beginning, air filter, recycled cigarette butts, throttle command, we've put you shall throttle. <laughs> Variable systems, sometimes. Sleeve two, main bearing diameter, four millimeter. Bore, four millimeter. Crankcase material, pine. <laughs> you don't see enough pine in engines. Why specifically pine? It looked nice. Okay. Filtration, yes. Oil tank, yes. Oil tank location, London SE3. <laughs> oil tank material, oil. Some material, wasam. <laughs> Fuel high pressure pump. We've got a low pressure one, but you put your finger over the hole, it comes out quicker. Injector, intravenous. Complete exhaust, yes. The muffler's a bit loose. Fixing point on gearbox, well, the driver might have to hold it down on the straights. <laughs> Starter for 10, alternator depends which day. And the best thing about it was all sent in Comic Sans. Yeah, we sent the whole thing in Comic Sans. I PDF'd it all up. There's another Word document where they asked for the name of the engine, where I put stuff like, um, it'll be called the FF1S engine. We sent it off in good faith, got a reply saying, can you send it in Excel? And I was a bit worried about that because I did it from work and I don't want them to be like, oh, we've worked out where you've sent it from. So I didn't, uh, which might have ruined our engine chances. <laughs> And then I got an official from the FIA uh, email to say we've officially received this. Ooh. So Did it say anything literally just, yeah, so we've got it? It's like a legal we have... Uh, acknowledgement? Acknowledgement of your submission. So I got very excited, and then the FIA, in their wisdom, decided to fuck this whole idea of engine submissions. <laughs> so all that work was for nothing. But didn't they say that there was four that was quite good? Oh, yeah, now that's the thing. So the F1 commission met up last week. And they decided to nix this idea of alternative engines. We're going to go with making existing engines more expen more cheaper, even. So the manufacturers who would actually, you know, let's be honest, some people have probably put a little bit more time into this than we had. No. No. Well, they've probably got a ruler out. We didn't give us very long. We only had, like, a couple of days. I know. Well, I'm, I'm impressed with the, uh, the what we did. But all these people were told there's not going to be an engine submission. And in the press release, the FIA said, we received four credible expressions of interest. Four. Four. So either we are one of the credible expressions of interest, or we've just been called incredible by the FIA. <laughs> I, th I think either of those are a very distinct possibility. Yeah. I think we're going to see a load of gothic engines going around soon. Okay, to summarise this quite stressful weekend, we sent in an application in Comic Sans yep. that they acknowledged they'd received, Yep. and we've heard nothing else, and then they cancelled it. 
Yeah, basically it seems the whole thing was a bargaining chip to get Ferrari and Mercedes to drop their engine prices. We were used. I resent being a pawn in their dirty games. Yeah. I feel like I was just made to make them jealous. <laughs> I actually wonder if actually they saw our application were just like, oh, what were we thinking? The only thing that I would say is that, so the engines, the official engines are trying to get down from like 15 million euros to 10 million euros. And in a weird moment of actual proper panic, I thought, what if they call our bluff? <laughs> and say, yeah, right, go on, you do it. Because we would be in the shit, really. We could do it for way less than 10 million euros. Yeah, definitely. Well, no, but then I, so I put the price that ours would cost at 20 million. <laughs> <laughs> so that if they said, because a fucking engine... I would then go, give us 20 million euros and we'll give it a damn good try. We would have been millionaires. <laughs> so, Terry, please, what is the state of Formula One? Well, state of Formula One this week is hurt, slightly bemused and wondering really if I can trust it anymore. Usually we do our predictions here, but as it's the end of the season, we are going to hold off and do a whole show about our predictions for 2016. The season may be over, but we'll still be here, giving you the latest F1 news in the only way we can, which is... Uh, Rectally. Please. I would advance that the best way to hear is through the ears. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's just like your opinion, man. But you know that whales can hear at their asses. Tell Terry how wrong he is by tweeting us at For F1's Sake. We'll be back soon to talk about testing, what is coming up in the 26th season and the best bits of 2015. We have had to look long and hard, but we think we found at least three exciting moments to talk about. Until then, goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We have not had time to talk about Ron Dennis, who's had a pop at Lewis Hamilton's lifestyle. He said that Hamilton wouldn't be allowed to live his current lifestyle if he were at McLaren. To which Hamilton quite reasonably said, well, maybe it's not me that needs to be doing any changes. And I think he's got a point. And Terry Saunders. We also not had time to talk about Autosport doing a thing working out how much each team has spent this year per point. And McLaren of the loser spending £6.6 million per championship point. <laughs> and I'm Chica Raz. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Podcast Network.